everyone, and welcome to the Tidewad Tech, episode 41, listener spotlight number 5, for April 7th, 2011. This week's listener spotlight features a regular listener and a friend of his. We have uh, Pete Kuykendall with us, who uh, was on our last episode, OS Wars, if you uh, listened into that. He's also a regular contributor in our forum and in our chat room, and he'll be joining us today and bringing his friend Rose Keating with us. And Rose um, is uh, the founder and head honcho of a fascinating uh, nonprofit organization that we'll, they'll be talking about a little later on. But before we... Uh, 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 get on uh, with that part of it. I have some news that is relevant only to the people who are listening live right now because it will have already happened by the time this show goes out, but I'm going to share it anyway. Uh, we got a call, uh, or an email rather, uh, from a uh, week uh, daily live radio uh a radio program called Computer America. You can uh, find information about it uh, at computeramerica.com, and they have asked Sean and me to be on their show tonight. That's uh, March 28th. Can I just throw in, throw in the words nationally syndicated? Nationally syndicated <laughs> on two separate networks. Uh, they say they are the longest running uh, syndicated uh, computer talk show uh, in the world. They've been uh, been going on uh, almost 20 years now. And uh, I don't know how they found out about us, but they contacted us and said they wanted the uh, Tightwad Tech on. Uh, so, uh, Sean and I will both be on there tonight. And if you want to listen, uh, please do. Uh, they do offer up, uh, MP3s of their shows and I will make an effort to link back to that. If, uh, if they will let me, I don't, I don't know how their syndication rules work. They may not let me. Uh, actually I read the, uh, the whole thing they sent us and they actually did say we could download the MP3 of it and actually host it on our own site indefinitely. Awesome. So that's yeah. what we will do. We will download it, host it and put it in the show notes with uh, this show so that you can listen unless we sucked in which case i won't do that <laughs> right <laughs> just forget we ever said anything yes. <laughs> and also coming up uh next week uh is an episode that is going to be near and dear to the hearts of at least some of our listeners uh we have uh, famously talked about before what we refer to as the lost episode uh we had um Steve Cherubino of the Podnuts Network on uh, not long ago, and uh, we did a great show. We talked about podcasting. We had a lot of fun with each other, and then as I went to hit save, the hard drive died, and that was lost, and because I'm a moron, I hadn't hit the uh, save in the Ustream button, so we didn't even have a backup of it, hence it was the lost episode. So Steve and I you know, sort of made lip service to getting together and do it again sometime, but frankly, I was embarrassed, and he was perturbed, and... Uh, it wasn't likely to happen. And uh, one of the regular listeners to both of our networks, uh, George, uh, I'm not going to say his last name because I'll mess it up, uh, but George apparently had been <laughs> pestering Steve and pestering me, and so finally neither one of us could take it anymore. And so we got together and said, hey, let's do this again. So next week for episode 42, we're going to be doing what I call Cherubino Redux. I'm excited about that because the first show, that that's why it was so disappointing is it was such a great show. It really was. I mean, um, if you're into the podcasting thing and uh, if you like what we do and you like what Steve does or, you know, and if you haven't checked it out, definitely go check them out. But uh, it was a bunch of enthusiasts really talking passionately about the, the thing they love. And uh, uh, if you're interested in podcasting at all, that will be an episode to listen to. Yeah, it was one of those things that went on for well over an hour and it didn't feel too any of us like it had lasted that long and we didn't really want it to end and then it turned out it never actually happened so uh, so this time it won't be any good at all because right. <laughs> now I'll make sure to record it and it'll be really bad. No, uh, uh, Steve is a professional. He's been doing uh, the Podnuts, P-O-D-N-U-T-Z uh, network for about five years now, I think. Uh, he is the seasoned pro and we are the rank amateurs. And uh, so uh, he will be uh, teaching us and uh, hopefully teaching you. Uh, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So that's what we're looking forward to uh, next week. Sean, did you have anything you wanted to prattle about? Well, I I just think uh, i guess it's a week of uh, all kinds of exciting things so uh, i will just say there's yet another kind of exciting milestone for the show today right right and starting right now at this very moment we have our very first ever paid advertisement on the tightwad tech and not only is it a paid advertisement it's a it's an advertiser whom we love um 
CWS Software, um, who we know all know and love as Chuck Sipersky of the Fog uh, Project. Uh, he has a uh, 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 another project he's working on. Obviously, he's still working on Fog and developing that, but he also wants to make a little money. So he's created a product product called Power PTC, and what PTC stands for is Parent Teacher Conference. And what Power PTC does is uh, hooks in with your student information system. If you happen to be using the PowerSchool system, it hooks in directly with direct hooks through Pearson's PowerSchool. Uh, and if you're not using that one, you can upload uh, files through a CSV or, or uh, a number of different ways to, to get things in there. It's then aware of all of your teacher schedules and all of your student schedules and all of your parents and all that information. And so when a parent wants to... Um, make uh, arrangements to have uh, parent-teacher conferences, they can then go into the self-service website uh, and uh, fill out the information, and PowerPTC uh, gives all sorts of options. Like, for example, it, it knows when their schedules are and when their uh, conference periods are, and it can uh, give you options for uh, most timely layout so that you're there the last time, or it even knows the locations, and it can tell you uh, this is the order you need to go uh, to uh, uh, walk the last least distance uh so check it out at uh, uh a special tightwad link that he's produced uh, uh it's cwssoft.com slash tightwad again that's cwssoft.com slash tightwad again that will be in the show notes uh and that special link is just for our listeners and if you when you purchase if you purchase um you can download uh, you can enter a coupon code tightwad for 20 percent off and uh, just some of the cool things I like about this, uh, obviously, uh, as I've said, it's it's uh, uh, by our uh, our illustrious fog programmer, and that's a, a plus in my opinion. But also, it's distributed as a as a VMware VM, a virtual machine, which I think is a a great way to do it. You don't have to set up your own server and do all that. He gives you the server all set up and ready to go. You just load it up and and run. Uh, also, there are demo licenses available, so if you want to try before you buy, uh, you can do that. You simply apply for uh, a demo license. So you've downloaded a free VM, you're running it on a free VM player, and you've got a free demo license. That's pretty tight waterproofed right there. Well, uh, absolutely. And another thing I like is the fact that uh, he does offer, uh, if you're 200 students or less, which I know doesn't apply to a lot, but if, you know, if you're that really small district that just doesn't have the budget, uh, you get it for free. Right. And check out his pricing. I'm not going to mention it here on the air because once he sees the deluge of Taiwan Tech <laughs> listeners, he may well want to raise his rates once he realizes what a, a gold mine he's tapped into here. Right. Um, but uh, CWS Software, Chuck, has uh, uh, purchased ad space for every episode in the month of April. So you're you'll gonna, be hearing about this uh, every month, every right, week. Right. Um, I, I got to just jump in there and say uh, I went in and they have an online demo where you can actually go in kind of like as a parent. And it's, it's stupid simple. Uh, which I think is, uh, you know, part of the beauty of it. So, uh, but it's not surprising coming from a guy like Chuck. I mean, uh, you know, fog opened up, uh, imaging to a whole lot of people. So, uh, yeah. And what he also tells me is if you like that uh, interface, then that's a good thing because he's moving in future versions of Fog to that same interface. He's moving away from the PHP development and into a more uh, Java development, which is what uh, PowerPTC is written in. So uh, you'll be your first look at uh, the Fog interface as well as a look at the PowerPTC interface. All right. I think it's a cool tool. Um, if you're into that sort of thing, being a tech guy like I am, I don't see that something that I'm ever going to interface with. But as a principal or a, a, a secretary of a principal, right. uh, that could really be a life-saving thing. And so all you guys out there listening who are the techs, don't just blow this off because it's not you. You get to bring something to your superiors that is inexpensive and they will thank you for. And, um, you know, that's what we live for, right? Absolutely. And so... Without any further ado, we will get right into the interview with uh, Pete and Rose. Not Pete Rose, but Pete and Rose. <laughs> Pete uh, Kuykendall, uh, I introduced you briefly. Uh, our our fans uh, should know you from last week's episode, and, and uh, those who hang around the chat room will know you as Pete PKU. Um, but you tell us a little bit about yourself, Pete. What are you, what are you doing here? All right. 
Well, I live a dual life. Um, in the daytime, I am the opposite of a tightwad tech. I am a uh, system engineer for Comcast working on national infrastructure issues. Uh, and that is anti-tightwad. That is lots of dollars and lots of big <laughs> iron and lots of big everything. Um, and uh, when I'm not doing that, I'm involved in several charity activities. And one of those is with Rose. Uh, and um, the gist of it is we collect used computer equipment, often very old, uh, clean it up, refurb it, repair it, sometimes upgrade it, uh, load it up with software, and give it away to people. And what's the name of that organization? That organization is called Denver Tech for All. And I'll, I'll let Rose tell you about that. Um, I had started my own version of that, in 2006, I came up with an idea called Laptops for Flat Tops, which was to get old laptops and give them to soldiers about to deploy um, so that they could communicate back home to their families and then have old desktops to give to the families to complete the link. Well, as it turned out, there were a couple of problems with that model. One was there aren't very many donated laptops, even real old ones. Second problem was... Um, the soldiers tend to already have their own laptops. They're of a generation when they've grown up with that stuff. Um, so I shifted my focus to just people in need, and that got us back into the desktop realm. But I quickly realized that my passion is around the engineering and the repurposing, the sort of broad idea. I am not the right person to be the operations manager for a big organization. And I felt that this must already exist out there somewhere that I wouldn't need to reinvent the wheel poorly. And after about five years, I stumbled into Rose and her organization, and I said, oh, okay, here it is. And I've been uh, helping her ever since. Okay, well, uh, hand the mic over to Rose, and, and uh, we'll ask her the same question. Uh, for the audience there, the, the two of them are sharing a headset, so when one is speaking, the other one can't hear what's going on, so there's a, a little bit of literally he said, she said going on today. Right. <laughs> yeah, we, we plan to work this way from now on. <laughs> <laughs> well, y'all are used to it, though, right? I mean, you work closely together anyway, so this is just a, an extension of that. All right, Rose. Tell us a little bit about. Yeah, your, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. About my about myself. No <laughs> about, problem. About yourself uh, and about I'm, Denver Tech for All. I'm a computer programmer by trade, and I was uh, basically unaware of the need out there of people who don't have computers because I've been in the trade since '74, so I'm an old grandma programmer. And I'd never really thought of hardware in any other way other than I had to use that to get my stuff across. And um, I came upon this whole notion through two avenues. One, I was teaching a class called Seniors Online at the Denver Public Library. And over time, I realized that if grandparents had computers, the grandchildren had computers. And uh, then I... Gate was trying to get rid of three computers out of our offices, and I took them to a recycling center, and they asked for $120, and I had actually expected them to pay me. <laughs> and, and of course, I, I threw a bit of a fit and threw the computers back in my truck and took them home because I didn't want them at the office. And spent the day cleaning them up and putting on a fresh operating system and loading a bundle package on them. Now, this is in 1999, so we're talking about some 486 computers. Okay. And uh, after a whole day of fiddling with this stuff, and once again, I'm not a hardware specialist. I'm a software person, and I realize I am wasted a day, and that's exactly how I felt about it. I take a trip through the house, picking up one of those long-necked brown bottles on the way past the refrigerator, <laughs> and sitting on the front porch, telling, just basically kicking my own back end about the day I wasted. And there's three 12-year-olds coming down the street from school. I live in a mostly Hispanic neighborhood, and uh, 
I call down to these little boys and I say, you guys got a computer? Now, how many 12-year-olds in 1999 had a computer? And they shake their head. I said, you want one? Wow. <laughs> and if it's okay with your folks, you may have these. And it took them about, oh, three, maybe four seconds to get back with their folks, or at least their mothers and grandmas. And in the backyard, we turned them on, turned them off. We plugged them in, plugged them, unplugged them. We talked about whatever we could talk about in the hour that we spent. And then the papas came uh, to the backyard, and they carried them out, and I was done. And that was nice. But it wasn't that nice. It was, thank God it's over. And then, you know, sometimes you just get kicked a little harder when you don't quite get the message. And so that was the last Thursday in October in 1999. And on Monday night, I drive in the driveway and I'm doing my timesheet, you know, mileage and hours and all the things you do. And out in my peripheral vision on that left side of that car are three sets of cowboy boots. And they're not the guys that I had seen on Thursday. These men were in their clean jeans, their white starch shirts, their hair was perfect, their boots were shined, and they came to thank me. Because, as so brokenly, we never thanks the computer for kids. <laughs> and then they own me. I when if you can help a parent in that way, you you have to do it again. And so that was two thousand nine hundred and eighty four computers ago. Wow. So coming up on three thousand is is that primarily uh, where your focus is? Is with uh, maybe underprivileged children. That's who, well. We focus on the individual who doesn't have equipment. Okay, so not necessarily children, our, just anybody who's really it has a need. I, we didn't name it Tech for Kids. Right. We named it Tech for All, <laughs> and uh, that goes that goes to that senior online class because a lot of those grandmas and grandpas would buy a computer, but if they got their own, then they could feel no guilt about buying the computer for the grandkids. So, so where that, have these uh, 2,900 some odd computers come from largely? Me begging. <laughs> uh, I, if, you know, I walk down many halls where computers are sitting in the hallway and it's, where are you going with that? And is there any place that one's going? <laughs> and I have, uh, and here's, here's, you know, go to the recycling. I drive a 1968 Ford pickup truck. <laughs> nice. And uh, Old Blue, Old Blue has, over the last four years, averaged 22,000 pounds of recycling per year. And, you know, can, would you mind if I put that in my truck? Can I uh, add another? <laughs> what are you doing with those monitors? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like oh, you're the kind a, of lady that stack? gets like all the extra mileage out of everything then. Well, one of our benefactors uh, left a codicil in his will that he expected this money to be spent twice. <laughs> so, and it's true, it was. <laughs> it is. But we, uh, the whole notion is, is if a child does not have a computer in today's world, there is no reason why they would ever want to finish school. And it's as fundamental as a pencil. Well, I I know uh, Mark, and I don't know if you made this one up or if you got it from somebody somewhere else, but uh, uh, basically just says uh, something exactly to that effect: is that uh, you know we don't we don't teach kids how to use a pencil. We teach them writing. No. So uh, it's the same mm -hmm. thing with a computer. You know, a computer can be the implement, but uh, uh, you know you, you don't necessarily have to teach the kids the basics of how to use a computer. Um, it's the larger scope things. So, well, that's exactly it. But I think if no one had let me have a pencil while I was growing up, I wouldn't have gone to high school either. <laughs> right. And we're sitting in a city, uh, Denver, where in the newspapers they've reported that forty-six percent 
of the ninth graders will graduate from high school. We're not even hitting half. Wow. And that really upsets me. And when I when you see these kids come in, you see them that they're already beaten up. And they look at what you've got for them and like, what is she going to make me do to have that? And the first thing is, is well, it's really not junk. That's a nice... That's a nice-looking computer. That's a good-looking keyboard. Oh, and you see the spark in the back of their mind. Just, you know, I can do something with this. I'm kind of curious and, with uh, uh, with change. those. Are you are you doing? Uh, uh, is it uh, uh, open source operating systems that you're putting on these? No, we. Uh, I've thought about this a long time, and. Being an old maid, and that's that is a true statement. <laughs> I, I don't know how to do wife. I'm I'm an old maid. Uh, I've decided that these kids have enough to jump through. We're going to make sure they have a Windows operating system on there, and we're putting XP on them. And whether we have to buy them or if we can re-task uh, the existing uh, key. Yeah, because certainly, I mean, at this point, you probably, most of your incoming computers probably have XP on them, right? Right now, the ones that we're getting do. But uh, I'd have to say uh, that two years ago, the XP issue was a big issue. I didn't really want 2,000, and Microsoft really doesn't want to share. <laughs> <laughs> Am I preaching to the choir? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Microsoft sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd like to say it does, but, you know, that's what they have at school. Right. And that's the important part is I want uh, this computer to be able to understand and work within their school environment. And we uh, partnered with uh, a middle school in Denver, or actually Littleton, which is down south of Denver, called Goddard Middle School. And in... 100% of their student body has a computer at home that's coordinated with the school computer. And that took us 15 months and a little over 200 computers to get that school fully done. But now they're in their fourth year of 100% compliance. Wow. Now that's an environment that a lot of educators would love to be able to emulate. I know we could... Uh, not without a similar uh, uh, bit of assistance. Uh, we couldn't emulate that here. Uh, we uh, definitely have a high percentage of uh, economically challenged uh, students. We have a question in our chat room. That's exactly the truth. Uh, what are the mm -hmm. minimum specs from a, for a computer that you'll accept? I'll take any piece of equipment at any age in any condition. I found that by saying something like, I need a Pentium 4 or better, really just put people off. You know, they have an investment in this equipment, whether it works or not. They've, they've got an emotional investment at the very least, but there is a monetary investment. And for me to stand there and say, this is junk. Had a bit of a technical glitch there. Um, do you remember what we were talking about? Because I don't. <laughs> oh, you about oh, minimum, recycling. Uh, right, we were talking about the minimum, minimum specs. Minimum computer will take anything we've got, you've got. And right now we have several artists who come to us for some of that old, old stuff because they like to make clocks out of hard drives and things like that, too. Are you finding you're getting gear that you simply can't use, um, that won't run, for example, Windows XP, or, or uh, doesn't perform well enough or isn't reliable enough? What do you do with that sort of stuff? Well, we have two uh, parallel programs. One of them uh, is the pro computers that are going to stay in town with the kids from Denver. You know, they're just, it's not. Then we have another group of people in Africa who actually take our older equipment. And what we do is any piece of equipment that will boot will get at least 2,000 on it. Okay. And if it won't, and uh, if it'll boot, we'll get 2,000 on it in a tiny bundle so that they, you know, open office and a little antivirus software and, and the Adobe's. And then that we, this group, uh, it's a church group from uh, South Denver. 
they ship it to Africa to their mission over there. And uh, they pay the freight and the whole thing. They're just happy to get the equipment we've got. And we have, this equipment has had, it has a fresh operating system. It's totally clean and it's ready to go. It's more turnkey than anything. And then the ones that we're putting out now, the lowest end, and what we do is we'll have like 15 computers in a week that are going to go home. And the list is, we have about 300 people on our waiting list. And unfortunately, that's the way it's been for about four four years now. It's about 300 people on our waiting list. And we only did 573 computers last year. And when we look at the list... The best computers go to the 12 to 17-year-olds, the best ones we've got. And the lesser computers go to, uh, in order, it would be uh, adult that's gone back to college, um, or actually a college student, then an adult going back to college, and then uh, uh, um, mid-30s to 50s who are going back to school. And then the last group would be uh, the senior who wants to play solitaire only or <laughs> the drunk or drug addict who basically wants the computer so they go get a, another hit of crack. Okay. Yeah, we do have them go to the pawn shops <laughs> and in a few other places. But. So I know that that uh, we do that, and, and it's very common. Most schools, every couple of years, will accumulate stuff that, for whatever reason, uh, they can't use anymore, doesn't meet their requirements. Uh, do you take uh, donations from out of state? Uh, uh, could I? Mm-hmm. Uh, how would I go about uh, getting uh, 114 inch LCD monitor CRT monitors from from Texas to to Denver? Well, uh, first, go out and rob a bank so you can pay the freight because <laughs> we don't have that kind of money. But uh, if you could get me 100 LCD monitors from Texas, there'd be 100 very happy families because we haven't gotten to a point where we get have gotten enough LCD monitors that work or that we can make work to be able to put those out with the families. We put a really nice 17-inch or better CRT monitor with our equipment. Okay. And we stand behind it. We, we promise when they take the equipment home that if the keyboard, mouse, uh, computer, or monitor have any mechanical problem, please bring it back to us because we do not want them to spend any money on what was used equipment when we got it. And we'll we'll fix it, trade it out, do whatever we need to do to keep that equipment working. Now, if they come back loaded with viruses, they can go to virus camp, which is not always fun, but it's always interesting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, this question might then be more... Um uh, up Pete's alley since you're the you you've said you're not a hardware person uh what do you do how do you go about the refurbishing and the repairing of this stuff once it comes in every computer is taken uh as an individual over to a station and right now we have uh 28 stations that they can work at a time so one tech can work on three to five computers depending on what they want to do at once, you know, as things are loading, they they can stay busy. But uh, each computer is plugged in, and we see what it will or won't do. At that time, we uh, find out what its speed is and what kind of memory it has on board. And if we will put, according to the speed, our definition of how much memory we have to have. And that's that's really my biggest issue right now is I can't afford the memory. Last year, the 573 computers cost uh, $66.23 a piece to make sure they had enough memory and a good enough hard drive on board. Then uh, the computers are uh, wiped. I have a protocol where we overwrite the hard drive 32 times with a random number sequence in excess of a quarter million characters. The gut and method. that, yeah, it's called. Let's let's not make it all zeros or ones because anybody who does security software just lo- looks underneath. <laughs> right. 
I'm kind of curious, uh, Rose. Uh, so you know, you've got that expenditure there. Are you just uh, are you always out there, kind of drumming up uh, some uh, cash flow coming in as well, or how does that work? We have several people who have been kind enough to help us, uh, we, but on the whole, uh, I don't have a lot of new shoes anymore, and I haven't <laughs> been to Fiji yet. So, <laughs> so that that's really. Uh, the economic situation that has occurred has really dinged us. We had two really fine grants that we had worked very hard. We wrote grants for five years before we got any nibbles. And we had two great grants that just dried up almost overnight. And so this has been, if we, if I can hang on and if I can continue to afford it, we'll continue to do it. But if I had my way, if you had a two gigahertz computer, it'd have two gigabytes of RAM on board. And I can't, I can't quite afford that. I can put 512 on there, but, and because we've learned how to pare it down and get it to work on performance instead of on how good it looks, uh, we can make it work on the internet, especially with our bundle. But, uh, no, there are things that I'd like to do to make it better, but uh, I'm not trying to stream video with this equipment. I'm trying to do homework. Okay. So what is your greatest need at this point? If someone would show up with uh, a box of RAM or a truck full of RAM, I'd be the happiest woman on this earth. <laughs> And and I promise I won't go to Fiji for at least three or four years. <laughs> but I mean, if if anyone wanted to buy me a birthday present, it'd be RAM. I don't care what kind it is. I, you, well, actually, I do care. Two fifty six five twelve giga gigabyte DDR. <laughs> have you uh, have you tried to uh, partner with? Uh, Crucial.com or Dell or any of these people who, who make and sell RAM at all? Well, I've written many grants to their uh, charitable side uh, telling them exactly what I need. I think as we pass over this point of 3,000 computers, we're serious. Right. People, I think, you know, when, when you're begging for things when you've done 224 computers, they kind of look at you like, it's a nice hobby, isn't it, honey? Mm-hmm. Now, this is, this is serious. We have 20, 28 bays where computers are worked on, and we can have them all on at the same time, all, all with uh, volunteers in front of them. And that's the nice thing to know is that 15 people are here to help today. And is or, all of your, your technicians, all your staff is volunteer? 100%, and most of them come not knowing a single thing. Okay. They just come with a... Open mind and willing hands, and and it's it's really fun to watch. I have uh, from nine years old to uh, George Dolmas is ninety. So, I don't care what your problems are and whether or not you need to use a walker. If you can sit there and drive a mouse, we can use you. We also have a group of twenty-seven uh, developmentally disabled adults that come. And I've had them for the last five years. They come to do the sorting and the teardowns and uh, the heavy lifting. Uh, we had a, a, somebody in our chat room actually mentioned something. Uh, I think it was somewhat jokingly about uh, franchising. But uh, have you ever thought of uh, branching that out? Or is it just all you can handle to, to handle the Denver area there? Well, as far as I'm concerned, I think our program, we have, we have developed a protocol that should be in every high school in this country. They could do a computer roundup. We know we could give them how to sort what they want to do with it and then uh, help them do, use our protocols in cleanup and reseeding the operating system and adding the bundle and how to display and how to, how to present themselves to those who might need a computer, and they could handle everybody in the middle schools in their own district. I mean, this could be in a neighborhood. 
Well, that's it that's actually that's a very interesting idea because uh, I guess if I get what you're saying there is you know schools and school districts could really just pull from their own communities and get this old technology in and then uh, get it back up to to snuff so to speak and uh, redistribute it out uh, back to their student body that is in need. Well, give these this equipment just one more life. When you have nothing, it's something. You know, maybe it's not too cool and it weighs a lot more than a laptop. I mean, I would love to do laptops, but everybody who gives us a laptop has had their hands in it, which means they've busted it to a point that you can't do anything with it. Plus, how many times has it hit the dirt before we ever saw it? Laptops are, are an issue. You know, everybody wants one. But uh, you can't really expect them to be in the shape that you'd think they would be in. Well, but there's also no shortage of people out there who want to get the latest and greatest and really are probably willing to part with uh, some pretty decent hardware. When it happens, that's the stuff we put in the hands of our college bounders. And we I'm very happy to say that in every instance that we've gotten a nice piece of equipment we've been able to make it available to uh, a college bounder ready to go now of course the little old computers uh, that really can't even get on the internet the laptops that we've been given that we can make work they're a great um, thing to hand to grandma in the nursing home because she can put it on her tray in her room and she can play her solitaire write a letter they give us printers and we make those available that the ones that will work so nothing really goes to waste and everybody gets some we also take uh, small appliances as in TVs DVD players VCRs uh, microwaves, coffee pots, clock radios, and that stuff. And we were pretty good at fixing those up and cleaning them up and making them available because these families that don't have equipment uh, have uh, these families that don't have a computer really have le- even less than you'd think. And last week I gave two kitchen tables away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, here's you brought up an interesting point. Uh, you mentioned at the beginning that uh, you want them to get online with these. I'm going to guess, though, that most of the people you're giving a computer to don't have Internet access. Uh, do you have something in place to help offset that? We have uh, – we direct them, and unfor- it's unfortunate. Denver has no real uh, – centralized location where people could hook in wirelessly but uh, we have we make our suggestions that they if they're doing dial up that's always going to be something like net zero at 10 bucks a month it's amazing how many of these families do have cable television though <laughs> and they can do a bundle and a cell phone i'm sure oh yeah <laughs> and uh, and i we we const- it's constantly a fight, and part part of the reason why we brought every one of our computers up to XP uh, was because they're trying to use those little cricket uh, uh, USB devices for wireless or satellite high speed internet connection, and that's probably the least expensive out there, and I really don't know how well it works, but I do know that. Uh, one of, I guess if you wanted to know what else I'd like to have is how many wireless cards could I get for <laughs> desktop computers? Because so many of these people uh, now live in buildings that have a wireless internet connection. Or have a McDonald's or a Starbucks nearby, right? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> yeah, you know, the, I think, you know, that's becoming more and more. And I know in the 90s in Denver, we did a bond issue that made for technology to make technology more available and to get it to all every, high-speed internet connections to everyone. Now, when we voted on that, we were pretty flush and most people didn't understand. <laughs> and 
unfortunately, the only town that I know of in Colorado is Longmont, who actually has a citywide system that you can pay a very small cost to to have internet connection in your home. It's a wireless uh, situation that I got to use. They, you know, they even have. Do you want two hours or four hours, or do you want all day? And you could spend a dollar ninety-five for two hours, <laughs> mm. and three ninety-five for six hours, or you could have all day for seven or something like that. Wow, that's that's not that yeah. great of a deal. <laughs> but you know, when you're in town and uh, you're going to be all over, that's me- beats the heck out of buying the internet from your hotel. Sure, that's yeah. true. That's true. And I and and as far as a ta- as the town concerned, when you looked at the monthly fee, and if you signed up and prepaid six months, it was almost half price. And I I I just wanted them to I I just wanted them to move into my neighborhood. <laughs> right. And I've I've looked into, you know, could we put a circle of influence out there? But I don't believe we can because I don't. So many of our uh, recipients are from 23 miles away on the other side of town. You know, we we aren't in the best neighborhood in Denver, but we certainly aren't in the worst. And I'd say uh, if I could do a five mile radius, I wouldn't even hit 15 percent of the recipients. Mm. Well, Rose, this but has those been are things I've this has been fascinating. Uh, I think this is a great project, and and I think uh, you're going to find our listeners uh, asking questions uh, as to how they can be involved. We're you know we we have people literally all over the world, so uh, the odds of somebody being in Denver and being able to drop a computer on your doorstep are pretty low. But uh, you know, is there a, do you have a, like a a website with a PayPal donate button where we can throw money at you? That- that's that's exactly what we need to do, and I think I might ask Pete to make sure I have a PayPal button on our website. That's something we had never done because we've just been known in Denver, but it's denvertechforall.org. I would have taken Tech for All, but somebody else had already gotten it. <laughs> so I, but but all but all that did was give me the idea that maybe, as you you called it, a franchise. Maybe somebody in Oklahoma City would like to come up and visit us to find out what it is we do so that they could replicate us. I mean, I would be ready, willing, and able to take myself and a couple of the volunteers who ha- really understand the system uh, to, with me to go tell them how or show them how. Or maybe we should have a seminar in Denver for people to come and talk to us. And see if they can do it. I mean, I'm sure they could do it better because I've made, you know, several thousand mistakes while we've been doing this. And it would be really cool to know that somebody in Tulsa, Oklahoma wanted to try it. Thomas Edison said that a uh, an expert is a person who's made all the mistakes possible in a very narrow field. So you've become an expert uh, in re- <laughs> refurbing and giving away computers. Well, do you know uh, the other words for expert? What's that? Well, X is something that once was, and a spurt is a drip under pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, I don't don't even know how to follow that up. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean when I was uh, coming up as a, a young bo- uh, a young uh, programmer, that was uh, actually on the wall at IBM. That's funny. <laughs> well, this episode will uh, hit our RSS feed in ten days, so Pete has ten days to get you a, a PayPal donate button, and I okay. would be surprised if you don't see a few donations trickle in. Absolutely. Well, that would be that would be a re- you've really given us a very good idea, and I'd like to consider you a couple more of my volunteers. <laughs> uh, well, you know, if I'm in the Denver area, I'll look you up for sure. Um, well, I mean, just keeping the word out and saying, you know, a crazy woman. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Would you like to talk to Pete again? I'm sure. Let's put him back on. Okay, here he is. Yeah. Thank you, Rose.
hey boys do i deliver the guests or what yeah well, that was really awesome thank you for that um tell us a little bit about uh what you do there the the more hardware geek side of it um i'm curious to see your end of it Okay, yeah, I'm uh, trying to drag her operation into the um, automation mode. Uh, so they do everything uh, now, believe it or not, the way you would do a single PC at home, you know, with the install CDs and and the onesie twosie process and no scripts or anything like that. So they have a checklist, you know, and they have a list of software on CDs and flash drives and whatever, but... Um, uh, it's very manual. So the first thing I did, uh, one, another aspect of this, let me back up a little bit, is uh, she's in some donated space in two industrial buildings that are across the street from each other. So she has one building uh, where the teardown and the buildup and the checkout and the software loading happens, and then the other building where the final kind of QA happens, and I guess you would call it the retail end. So you've got the factory end and the retail end. Um, so she has this Comcast broadband connection that she pays a ton of money for as a commercial account uh, in the retail building and then a wireless link to the other building. And this wireless link is kind of a bottleneck. And you can imagine the amount of uh, Windows updates and things that are getting downloaded all the time. So the first thing I did was install a server in each building that is clear OS with a transparent web proxy. And uh, and that's worked out really, really well. Uh, she's um, now reducing her bandwidth almost to zero. Pretty much the first um, machine has to do the download. And then after, uh, after the first one gets it, the proxy has it in its cache, uh, and it goes to the next one. Mark, can you hear me all right? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Okay, okay. Uh, so I was checking the stats on that, and there's a optimization that needs to be done um, out of the box in order to have it keep stuff for more than three days. And because of the intermittent nature uh, of her volunteer time at the place, uh, the three-day uh, hold on the cash was not enough. So I bumped that to 30 days. And all of a sudden, our first day, um, the server reports that it served up uh, 18 gigs, I think it was, of uh, data out of the cache that didn't have to come across the street over the wireless connection. So that was a good thing. That has sped up the process a lot. But that's just the first piece. Eventually, we want to get to cloning through fog. Um, and that's a little bit of a trick on Windows machines that are all Frankensteins with different hardware configurations. Well, I've been even doing if, a little bit of research. Go ahead. Uh, even if you don't clone, just using snap-ins deployed by Fog would save you a ton of time in, in loading all your software after you get the OS on. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So there's, uh, in researching it, there's, there's kind of multiple levels you can go to, right? You can do the snap-ins. Uh, Windows has a, a scripting tool, and I forget what it's called. They have some pretty good videos online on how to use it that more or less automates the install process. Uh, and can pull down the images via Pixie. That's kind of an intermediate step. And then the full-on clone is kind of the holy grail that I would like to get to with her. The trick on that is the different Frankenstein hardware configurations. Right. And su supposedly, and I haven't got this to work yet, but I haven't spent much time on it yet. Uh, supposedly, you can build up a machine that's got every driver known to man on it. And that's like your master. And then you push that image down, and when the Frankenstein machine boots up, the Windows startup routine is smart enough to go dig out the right driver for the video or whatever, um, if it's local on the disk, and just use it automatically. And the only cost of that is you've got you've burned a couple of gigs of, dig, of disk space with all the drivers that you don't need, but you've bought a huge increase in throughput on provisioning the machines. Yeah, so we'll see uh, if we can get there. That's sysprep I think you're talking about. Um, uh, I personally don't use it. I think it's better to uh, just uh, do a particular image for a particular hardware set. But in your situation, I could see that would be great. And you could even go back later maybe and clean up the drives that you don't need to save the, the space. Um, yeah, presumably that would be an optimization uh, step. 
I was thinking another thing we could do uh, is with the backup PC um, program that you had uh, talked about on a prior episode, that's smart about not duplicating files, just putting in symbolic links and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Uh, we could actually reclone the image of every, you know, do some kind of a backup of every machine that goes out the door and be able to restore. Uh, and there's hardly any unique information on each computer, right? I mean, they're all going to have essentially the same stuff. Just a few config files are going to change. So uh, a lot of a lot of that kind of thing. Um, she's also in, um, as she says, she's not in the worst part of town, but she's in a bad enough part of town that she needs security cameras. And um, so we're going to be put, setting up ZoneMinder, uh, which is a free program on Linux, uh, and that's your tech tip of the episode, I think. Um, <laughs> you can <laughs> you can feed uh, as many cameras as as the hardware in your computer can ingest, and it's really smart. It looks for motion. Um, you know, it has variable pull rates. It looks for light level differences. Just all kinds of stuff. Great, great piece of software. So I'm actually building up uh, ZoneMinder on a VM here and experimenting with some cameras that she has. Uh, and uh, that's kind of a one-time expense. It's not bad like memory where every machine consumes it, but um, in a couple instances, you need some good cameras with some good optics on them uh, that can look across the street at you know who's breaking in or whatever and, and be able to resolve something useful, uh, and those aren't cheap, but that's not a recurring expense. Uh, things like that. I'm also working, uh, I'm a member of a Rotary Club here, and um, Rotary, most people have heard of Rotary, they don't know what they do. Uh, it's a bunch of do-gooders, uh, mostly middle-aged, fairly well-off people who are uh, successful in business, and the good news about that is two things. One, they tend to be connected in business, and and that's really useful often in other countries. If you want to get something done in Pakistan, it's useful if the guy on the other end knows the prime minister or something. Um, that's great internationally, but locally, uh, one of the things Rose could really use is more space. It's like any charitable organization. You need more of everything. Well, in her case, she could really use space. So it occurs to me that Denver, like most cities, is now full of busted car dealerships. And they're not very useful as anything other than a car dealership, which is why they're all vacant. And it seems to me that uh, if you're a commercial property owner and you have you know, a portfolio of properties, some of which are generating rents and some are not, well, if you want a really good tax write-off, you could rent your busted car dealership to Rose's organization for a dollar a year and uh, get a nice little write-off against the revenue that you do have coming in. So we're working that kind of thing as well. And, uh, you know, it, it possibly one day I'll talk her into putting puppy Linux on some of the old machines and not have to buy all that memory. But right. uh, that's a conversation we haven't got yet. <laughs> I hear <Yeah>. disagreeing <laughs> with that in the background already. <laughs> well, well, especially in some of those really limited ones. I mean, she talks about the uh, the elderly grandmother in in the uh, home that just needs to be able to type a document or, or uh, send an email or something. I mean, certainly uh, you could do that on puppy Linux. Yeah, this is the revolution that has happened just in the last decade or so, is if you have ubiquitous broadband, all you need is a web browser, really, and you're good to go, right? You can do it through Google Docs. Uh, I mean, how many people need a full-on word processor, even as good as OpenOffice? Um, so, you know, I've got a uh, quad-core laptop with, with 8 gigs of RAM, and most of the time I'm in Google Docs. Yeah. Exactly. I'm I'm running this machine that's crashed twice today, but uh, it's the same kind of thing. I, I do almost everything through the browser or through the IRC programmer. Nothing that takes any real computing resources. I could do this just as well on a five year old, uh, five year older computer with half the memory. Now I'm going to get email not- about bragging about my laptop. By the way, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> well. It, that's only because it's not as powerful as your phone, but we can't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so anyway, people, that's uh, that's what I'm doing for Russ. We're, we're getting a little long in this 
segment here, uh, so I'm going to um, go ahead and, and bring you to a close here. I think you and Rose could probably sit here and talk about this all day long, and uh, while I think a lot of our listeners could probably sit and listen to it um, uh, all day long, uh, we have a lot of commuters, and they're they're running out of road, and there's still a lot of podcasts left. <laughs> so <laughs> we're gonna I'm going to wrap it up here and just give you the same opportunity that I, that I always give anybody else. What would be your um, final um, comments or, or last word that you wanted to, to give to our listeners today? Uh, I would say if, if, you, if this has inspired you and you want to set up a similar operation, uh, give Rose a call. Go to denvertechforall.org on the web. Uh, their phone number and stuff is on there. And I think it would be great if this took off in every city, right? What city doesn't have a 10,000 closets full of old PCs that could be repurposed uh, to people in need? And it's fun, and uh, it builds uh, life skills. And you will have a PayPal button on that website by the time the show airs, right? <laughs> we we will, absolutely. She's a 501c3, has all that stuff, and uh, PayPal has some really cheap rates if you're a uh, bona fide 501c3. There you so go. So they don't take too much of a hit. I'll be looking for that uh, myself, and I, I promise I will uh, make a, a donation out of my um, richness because I have such a great phone. I must be rich. Uh, yeah, yeah. Any, any guy who's slinging that phone around. You know? Guess we'll have to make an app for that. <laughs> All right, Pete, thanks for being with us, and give our best to Rose, and uh, uh, we'll move on at this point to our uh, tips of the week and just uh, say goodbye to Pete. See you later, Pete. Have a good one, Pete. Thank you, guys. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So Pete already gave us a really good tip of the week, uh, uh, the zone minder thing. Um, uh, I copped out last week because there was so much good stuff, but I'm not right. going to this week. Uh, <laughs> my tech tip of the week is actually a, a plug-in. It's not an application necessarily. Uh, it's a plug-in for Chrome or Firefox. Uh, um, and I believe it is Windows only, though I'm not certain about that part called drag to up and uh, what drag to up does is uh, you load it with all your credentials for things like Flickr and dropbox and imager and all these sort of things and then when you want to upload something you simply drag it to um, the icon in your browser and it uploads and so you don't have to go to all these other apps to upload things you can do it right there in the browser using drag to up so that's drag the number two and up and you can find that in the add-ons directory of of your browser of choice and if you were listening uh, or slash watching live and in the chat room uh, you would have seen that uh, garrett already gave us a link for that how, how for nice, the firefox garrett. version right thank you garrett for that uh okay i guess i'll jump in with the uh, teacher tip of the week and this is one that i've actually been sitting on for a while and uh kind of hoping that google was going to make more progress with it over time and <laughs> i haven't really seen it yet so i don't know if they're still working on this or not it's in the uh, google labs it is google news timeline and uh, it's really it's something that's very interesting, and I can see where teachers uh, could really put kids uh, to work on this thing. Um, and what you do is you can just go through and search uh, d uh, different dates, and uh, it's basically like looking back over a calendar. But uh, as you look back through time, you get to pull up old uh, Time Magazine articles, Popular Science. So they've got some mainstream stuff. They've got a lot of obscure publications as well, little small town newspapers and uh, blogs and wikis and things like that. Uh, but uh, so it can pull relevant uh, material for a specific date or even if you want to look at it uh, from a week's perspective or a month's perspective. A uh, week is about as far as you want to go before it starts to get to be a little bit too much information on one page. Um, the thing I was really kind of hoping for is that it would uh, incorporate over time maybe some more mainstream media and I'm sure that's uh, probably they're running into some copyright issues and people not really wanting to participate there um, but uh, but still it's it's pretty cool uh, neat little thing that you can uh, I can picture a teacher uh, having kids come in and just uh, say uh, what happened you know give me something that happened this week uh, 10 years ago um, 
and uh, you can pull that up. It does also include some sports scores. So uh, if you're really interested in how the LA Dodgers did, uh, you know, five years ago, uh, that information's there. It's kind of weird to look at. So, uh, uh, but I will say, and it's kind of ironic because it's Google, but that a lot of the search options that are incorporated in this uh, need some work. So it is, it is a lab and uh, it is still a work in progress. But uh, like I said, I've been watching it for a few months now and haven't really seen a whole lot of progress there. But still worth taking a look at and that is newstimeline.googlelabs.com okay and so this is the part of the show where you tell where we tell you how you can contact us if you want to be on the show or make some comments about the show or insult me for talking about my phone too much uh, you can do all of those things at www.thetightwadtech.com that's our website where our community lives and grows and breathes and all sorts of great things happen there in the forums and uh, and so forth Uh, also you can find us on twitter at uh, twitter.com slash thetightwadtech Tech or simply at the Taiwan Tech or Facebook.com slash the Taiwan Tech. Or if you want to uh, let your voice be heard, again, there's the uh, Google uh, Voice account that we have. Uh, which is five three zero frugal two, or you can just simply call us uh, right there on the uh, uh, web page. Well, from our web page, yeah. there's a widget there uh, that says call us and and you click a button and it calls you i still think that's very cool yes very cool very cool and i guess that's it so sean has to say all right great show once he says great show that means the show is officially over right and, uh, <laughs> so for this week this is mark signing off and sean signing off <laughs>